Cause you're hot, then you're cold, you're yes, then you're no, you're in, then you're out, you're up, then you're down. Hey, welcome to After Chef Australia with Benita. What's your name? No, I'll go with Benita's Lunchbox. But my wife, Benita's Lunchbox, and me, Matt. We'll just go with Matt, also known as, in some quarters as Honey, but... So, hello. Yes, hello from across the pond in the United States. We are the biggest fans of MasterChef Australia, this side of the Pacific. Um, so uh, who are we and why are we doing this? I at least have been watching MasterChef Australia since maybe season one, although I started watching, I think, when season six was on the air, and then I went back and watched pretty much every episode from the beginning. And we're, what season about did you start watching it with me? Um, about three seasons ago... Yeah. So I remember the winner of the last one, the one before, mm -hmm. and then it's kind of foggy, so I didn't really pay that much of attention. Yeah. So I would say three seasons. Yeah, so we're, we're kind of veterans of the show. We know the ins and outs. And, you know, we've always wanted to sort of do a podcast, a podcast together. And uh, <laughs> of all the things to do and about, this seems, I guess, the, the most fun and appealing to, to us. Um, because you're just tremendous fans of the show. Now, there are a lot of cooking shows. There's a MasterChef here with uh, Gordon Ramsay and Christina Tosi. And, uh, I don't think there's Christina Tosi anymore. Yeah, I, they may have gotten rid of her. But yeah. I think she's the... There's the guy, the bald guy now, uh -huh. and the one with the glasses. Right. I think they replaced those guys. They got they, no. they brought in the Hispanic guy. And anyway... No, now it's the Hispanic. And Christina Tosi and No, Gordon no, Ramsay. no. That was the last season. Well, well I don't know. Regardless... Um, there are a lot of other cooking shows too. I mean, there's uh, in the U.S. There's uh, the Br Great British Bake Off. There's the Great British Bake Off. There's a few others, but what makes MasterChef special? Now we've seen different MasterChefs around the world. I've seen MasterChef Israel, seen uh, New Zealand, I've seen Canada. No one does it quite like Australia does. They shoot a show pretty much every day, six days a week, um, and they also, you know. There's, there's, there's some realness to it that other shows don't have. While the production value still is high and it's very pleasurable to watch, it feels real and it there's no TV drama, which we really appreciate. Yeah, I mean, especially the MasterChef in the United States. I've seen near finals where clearly the producers um, threw somebody out. Yeah, who yeah, was like winning. the guy who put the old guy who put sugar. Yeah, the gray dolphin, as we call yeah. him. Yeah, it's. Uh, that, that was tragic. Um, I think, the, and, and they sort of tried to insert um, conflict. Between the contestants, that has nothing to do with the cooking. Yeah. I would understand if it's with the cooking, like you're cooking the same, but then again, well, it doesn't really matter. It comes down to the flavor. And that's what the Australian is about, and that's why we enjoy it. Yeah. We also like the judges a lot. Yeah, we've come to like them. And I, I they, you know, they bring in uh, uh, mentors and tutors, but I also appreciate the fact that they haven't buckled under some kind of political correctness to uh, symbolically or superficially diversify the judges. They're, they're phenomenal judges. We like them a lot. We love all the, the special guests and assistants they bring yeah. in. But the, those three guys, they've got a certain chemistry. And I don't know, there's the, the kind of, we know them so well. If you think about how many hours each season is, like 70 hours. Or some some seasons are sixty episodes. Well, some are as many yeah. as seventy. Um, some seasons are longer than others. And this season, it seems that the episodes are longer. Yeah. At least the first one was 
hour 35 minutes without the break that yeah the one we saw though was the hour 35 i think in australia they actually broke that into two episodes okay Uh, that's how it aired uh but still i mean we spent a lot of time with these guys yeah we know all their little uh their facial expressions their uh verbal expressions how they boom boom shake the room there you go and and the way they count the clock down and when they like something when they don't like something when gary sweats when he eats something (laughs) spicy all so it's just so much more real. And I've learned so much more from cooking watching the show. Other shows where they focus on drama and personality. This one really does focus on technique. And it, I don't know. It's Watching has made me a better chef. Or, I don't know if that applies. No. I, have, I don't remember anything from the techniques. That <laughs> well, you've known some things. You know how to make ice cream really easy. In theory. In theory. Yeah. All right. So. No, I mean, it has broad greater interest about cooking but i cannot say that i've learned much speaking for myself i've watched every season of uh what was the other one in uh the u.s not master chef but um top chef i've watched pretty much every season every episode i haven't learned a damn thing from that whereas from this show uh i i don't know it's almost like going to cooking school because you see so much of the cooking you see all the mistakes and the techniques and i love the the master classes um Sometimes they're not as exciting. Well, yeah, that's but, where you learn the yeah. master class, really. And master class isn't really even aimed at the contestants, same as the audiences. And you know, like when uh, this week when your guy Curtis Curtis Stone when Curtis did uh, the cook along, kind of learned yeah. a little bit about techniques for making French fries. Uh, yeah, yeah, keep stirring. Yeah, or, what was or the, the Bernays? Bernays, keep stirring. You kind of want to. It kind of makes you want to get a bocce grill if you can cook a steak that well on it. It's really. Well, uh, kind of wants you to get the, <laughs> go to Curtis's restaurant. Yeah, yeah, which I've been to, and I'll take you someday in Los Angeles. Um, okay, so first week, always sometimes they drag it out more. The qualifiers sometimes it's a lot longer. Where they, you know, they basically roll the cart forward with their dishes on it. Yeah, I mean they skip through a few. We still um, there's twenty four now left. Well, the, they start the season with. Ultimately, 24 White Apron goes out for the After first After the round. first week. How or, many are standing? 24. 24. Okay. Um, but they, they, what happened was I think they selected 18 that were in the uh, initial auditions. Grace. 18. They said, you go right through. They had like another 14 that had to cook again, but only six of them could get the apron. Mm, yeah. Yes. Something, the numbers may be a little bit off, but that's just that's the gist of it. This is actually kind of a... I mean, because the contestants change so much... Throughout the season, it's kind of hard to judge or to conclude But what are anything. your first impressions? Yeah, you kind of know who you're kind of root for. And what's interesting is that they do like the in-home interviews mm-hmm. where they go visit the person. And sometimes it's somebody who doesn't actually make it. Even past, like, they don't even get to cook again tomorrow. Well, who didn't make it? I feel like all of them did, though. Well, we'll talk about who didn't make it because that <laughs> kind of goes into one of our other segments that we'll go into next. Um, but this week, what do we have? We had uh, the initial cook-off immunity challenge. It's a very gentle week. Nobody got sent home. Yeah, I mean, I understand them not sending person home, but it was unusual that they would give that easily away the immunity. Oh uh, yeah, I've never seen. Because you them. can stick to it until the end, which is what you should do, in my opinion. Yeah, and not only did did they give out an immunity pin, but they guaranteed they were giving it out. And to do that that early in the season, it's you know I, I appreciate them mixing things. But you up. think the format has changed, and they will start to give it out, or you just know, the first week? 
Because it seems unfair to the others. Well, it is a show, you know, you still... Well, the, here's the thing is that... Um, have to earn them. The, the, the easier they make it in the beginning, and then we'll talk about this a little bit later in this episode, the easier they make it at the beginning, the, the f- faster they have to make it difficult. Because if, if they make it very easy in the beginning for the first few weeks by giving out an immunity pin, yeah. to get down to those last two people by the end, they have to accelerate the point at which they're throwing people off the show. Or it, you see what I'm saying? So if they just gradually start kicking people off, it, it gives them more time rather than you know having to get rid of more people in the show. Nevertheless, people. getting the immunity pin is... It is a big deal. And it's to a guarantee, big deal, and I, you can improve meanwhile. Right, and I'll tell you something else. I remember the first season, or first couple of seasons, like, oh, nobody got immunity pins. Well, it was very hard to get. What would happen is yeah, you'd yeah, have to yeah. beat all the other contestants out, and then they would bring in a, a professional like Michelin star chef that you have to cook against. And your one advantage is you get 15 extra minutes. Yeah, and I remember the first one one got in the season that I watched was with uh, a prodigy of the chef, not the actual yeah. chef. That was one of the first ones that I saw. Mm-hmm. And they were not able to beat the chef. I mean, it was basically, imp- it was the odds were stacked so far against you in the beginning. I think they may have decided to ease it up. But I mean, this wasn't even a... Well, they no did ease up. They did ease up last yeah, season they started when like, they rather did the apprentices or new chefs or sous chefs. Yeah, rather than like the head chef of a three Michelin star yeah. restaurant. Who's, <laughs> you're, you're cooking against Marco Pierre White for the immunity pin. Good luck. And it was just so sad because, you know, the, the chef would come over the other to the contestants bench because they're all done and they're all like, hey, you need some help? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> come on. Well, but, you know, we saw last season, I think, that uh, there were some exceptional chefs that were able to win the pins. But this, uh, I mean, this week they, they were saying, we're giving one away no matter what. You could have yeah. actually cooked a crap dish. In fact, they did cook a crap dish. Yeah, no that one. That is the lowest <laughs> standard to ever have gotten an immunity pin. No one cooked a perfect dish. Everyone messed up. Well, I mean, putting sugar in the yeah. sauce, a big mess up. Like, we, by the way, we are big fans of nicknames. So we, we have Tim got the immunity what is our nickname for him oh prince harry yeah, so prince that's harry. what gary said he looked like and then yes he does he looks like prince harry he looks like prince harry on steroids mm, he looks like chubbier prince harry bigger stockier chubbier prince. it's like <laughs> prince harry in 20 years yeah 20 years of eating crumpets yeah uh, so, so the nicknames will come the nicknames will come so one person yeah. has a nickname and uh 23 to go yeah 23 to go um hopefully we get everybody a nickname but sometimes people people go before we give them a nickname and that usually happens because you know there it's very obvious watching that we are pretty sure some people are not going to win and they're sort of in this i mean only one person well no no (laughs) but we they're pretty there are a lot of people who we look at them and we're pretty sure they're not going to win that they're just wait. It's just, they're just in the waiting game, and uh, they can go home this week. They could go home next week, but they're gonna go home sometime soon. And of that, you know, the five or six people you kind of look at them, think you're probably going home. Half of them are gonna be gone. It's just a matter of what order they go home. You just know they're not gonna be master chefs, and those are the ones that, I guess, they may escape the the nicknames. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, what's your so here's we're gonna do our regular segments. The first segment is can't let go of the week. What can't you let go of? That they keep bringing back Matt. They really love him. Food truck man. Food truck man. I liked him as well, but he finished like 
he like didn't finish top a, six or something. Top six. I, I don't remember, but he didn't win definitely. He overperformed and he got he did well. They're loving him, so it's something I expect to happen every season and they did not disappoint or they did deliver <laughs> quickly. And then I can't let go of Curtis. Yeah. Curtis. Yeah, this is what I have to put up with <laughs> every time you show you should have if we had audio rolling when she saw Curtis show up on the screen, it would have blown up. It's the just the energy of Curtis, nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do think I know why they bring back Matt. Is that if you look at the biographies of the, I don't know, 20, there are two, there are basically almost, almost 300 people who have been on MasterChef Australia. Yeah. 250, if you think 24 times 10. Okay. I, so uh, many of them just go back to what they were doing what before. What was the name of the girl that was uh, on the Desert Island episode, episode three, season 11, the winner, who went back to the dairy farm? She really didn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was Billy. Oh. So she went to cook in the, what's it, duck? Oh, yeah, she went to um, Apprentice with, or stage, stage, however you want to say it, with uh, Heston Blumenthal. Heston Blumenthal, but then kind of went back to farm life. Yeah, I'm not sure. Or is that farm attached to a restaurant she's working with? I, I no, do I understand that's her farm. I don't know. I would have to look back, but I understand it's her farm, and she's making with her mom butter and yeah. cheeses. Yeah, so. So very quiet life, I guess. Well, but the thing about Matt is that Unlike all the others, she just went back to their jobs in finance, or even the ones who win, who maybe kind of have fallen off the face. I mean, there are some MasterChef winners who seem to fall off. You the didn't hear a lot, even from Diane two years ago, Sashi. I well, mean, maybe in Australia, hot, right? Yeah, we don't. I guess we miss it. I think Diane. We miss out on that. But there are ones who have won in the past. Their websites don't work anymore, and there's no. They've disappeared. Mm. Whereas Matt has gone down the road of something very accessible, which is food trucking. And expanding that. And I, I don't know where that stands, but that was sort of his avenue. He's like, I think they'd like bringing him back because he kind of represents that first step of accessibility that somebody who's good on the show can yeah, reach. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's that's within, and where the, he goes from there, uh, what, who knows? It's a reachable dream. I mean, yeah. some are crazy. Some, But some uh, say straight up, I want to do it for the money. I haven't heard anyone say that this season yet. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people say that's why they're doing it. Yeah. They love cooking, but the money would change their life. And then they don't say it's related to food. It's just the personal finances. Yeah, well, it's a, a hard way to make make that <laughs> money. But uh, like I said, with Matt, he reached the first rung. I mean, and he had a, a real concrete plan. Unlike, say, Benita, who wanted to host a restaurant with long lady or well, there could be long lady lunches oh yeah think, long lady lunches i think she kind of she bounced pretty early she last she punched above her weight she lasted a little longer than uh but she was certainly a fan favorite in this house <laughs> uh so anyway um my can't let go of the week is the woman who threw her husband under the bus it's seen, in the auditions uh, in the auditions and not only did they give her the camera at home time like they went back and shot her family that's bed, true that's true they th putting aside the fact that she got the camera at home time <laughs> and her, showed her husband on camera and she didn't even get the cook tomorrow thing she didn't even make it to that no. um but she uh she the editors let her make comments that said her husband didn't want her to do an audition before she finally got the chance and he was still opposed to it which I mean, it seems like he needs to have 
uh, you can't just let a one-sided accusation like that go out and like because you kind of wrecked his life in a way as being they painted him as being this oppressive but it's also very strange that they wouldn't i mean i i don't know how they shoot the show but they would include it because it was unnecessary drama as well it was tiny drama but you would see her reiterate that the husband is not supportive several times and it was and unusual move from the MasterChef team. Yeah, like let's the, the, one of the jumping off points for that criticism was that the husband wasn't at the audition. Well, yeah. there are many people there who had family or friends who were not at the audition for any number of reasons, but that never became an issue. So I feel like by highlighting it, the editors of the show, the producers, I, I don't know. They just seem to want to. Um, and it seems like there's always two sides to the story. And maybe she's completely right and her husband's a bastard, right? But maybe it's like, he knows she has really bad anxiety issues or that she's got other things that would m make him worry if she was put in that environment. And maybe he's wrong about all of those things, but if it's coming out of a position of care and concern rather than, say, a controlling, domineering husband, which is the impression that they created. Yeah, but but again, we I would not want the Australian MasterChef go back and forth either way. It's not, it's, it's it's not, not really what the it's... Place yeah, for, right? it's not the place and... Well, you made the point that we didn't hear from the husband. I mean, I wouldn't want to hear, and I, I wouldn't want to know that they have some issues. Yeah, it's very contrary to... And here's what, in a way, though, this kind of validates the legitimacy of the judging of the competition. She got kicked out of the center home. She didn't get to cook again. To yeah, she's not. She didn't get an apron. So to have gone through all that, to pitch that whole story, and like you, you almost felt like the... If this was American MasterChef, this would be a story arc where yeah. this woman's like proving herself and her she's sort of, you know, casting off the, the oppressiveness of the patriarchy of her husband. And they would definitely have her on the show and they definitely would not throw her off in the first episode. She'd definitely make it even to the finals. So they have this story arc for her. Nope, not in MasterChef. Sorry, you don't have the skills. You're too amateur. Uh, we've seen some very good cooks today. Good luck to you. Well, bottom line, the editorial decision was questionable. Uh, absolutely. Uh, to include it, how it was handled. But again, it at least the, the silver lining is that, well, no one's pushing uh, Matt, Gary, and George around. No. No. <laughs> um, so, uh, oopsie of the week. Do we have agreement on what the oopsie of the week was? Putting the sugar in the sauce. In the burn so, so, if anybody missed or has forgotten, Tim, a.k.a. Prince Harry. Was, uh, <laughs> he was making, in one pot, a pickling juice for, yeah. I think, shallots. In another pot, a Bernays sauce. Um, and he put the sugar in the Bernays sauce, which, I mean, if you're doing like a complex baking thing where sugar kind of can go in anything and everywhere, it's understandable. Well, I mean, it, it's understandable. It's first real cook-off. The stress level is uh, off the roof. It did, no, but it wasn't... They were all shaking. They were so nervous. You, you th the thing is, you can understand why that's no, I, so I, silly. I can't... And why it makes no sense. I, no, but see, I disagree. I disagree because when he was thinking about it, like, it's not like he said, put the sugar in the pot. And he just threw it in the pot without even thinking what pot it was going into. He didn't know what pot it was, and he stopped to think a minute. And he thought about it a moment and thought the right pot, this is premeditated, was the one with the... Now, here's what it tells me, is that we'll talk about this and we're, we're, doing, we're doing different in-depth segments each week. Um, 
we're not doing this. We're going to talk about archetypes. Every, because when you've had 11 seasons, there's certain people can almost all be put into archetypes. Rarely do you have anybody that's truly unique come on the show. Everybody's mm-hmm. put, put in a group. And I, I don't, he's sort of from archetype where he doesn't know how to make a Bernays sauce. And he's on MasterChef Australia. Because anybody who's ever made a Bernays sauce knows it's one of the five mother sauces. If you're coming to that show to play, you have to know how to make at least four of those five mother sauces. There are a few other um, older sauces, but well, it, what, I think what, what it revealed to me is he doesn't know. He doesn't. I'm not going to curse, but he doesn't have an effing clue how to cook outside of the lamb chops that got him on the show. And maybe he'll pick things up, but. Day one does not know how to make a Bernays sauce. The lamb- doesn't even know how to taste, so he can't. It doesn't know how to make a pickling juice, which is a big deal on the show. They love pickling on the show. Yeah, it's, bigger, um, it's but, a bigger thing than I no, think. No, I disagree. I thought I think he was just nervous. And, but he thought about it. Well, sometimes I think about stuff and still do it wrong, even though I know what's the right thing to do. I, I understand that. Well, some, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see but <laughs> I believe he truly does not know how to make a Bernays sauce. Think and does not. Not only does not know how to make it, but he's never tasted it. Because if you ever tasted it, you know you don't put sugar in. It. But you know, he, you know, there's no sugar in it. It's like you, he teaches kids how to make, how to cook. So I imagine he knows one of the more advanced, but still one of the. But I think he could make a red sauce. You should know. He could make a red sauce. Bernays is tricky to begin with, but to not even know what a Bernays tastes like which let him look if you're right i like to think you're right because that means he was just super nervous and for some reason it doesn't brain didn't process the idea of putting sugar are you gonna put sugar in a pickling juice or a bernays sauce somehow something search circuited but i believe in my heart that he truly does not know Well, why would you put it in a pickling juice do you know how to make a no (laughs) okay well the thing is that even if you don't know that you should know it doesn't go in a bernays sauce no I really you, you, think you, you he was to, just nervous. He was following Curtis all along, and right. he did not expect to right. think. So he was listen. He was just using his ears and then motion. I, I He's not it. using the brain he at was the not moment. Using, I can understand that point of view, and I want to think that you're right. But there's it's like a double strike. Is he didn't know it goes in the pickling sauce, and he doesn't know that it doesn't go in a Bernays. Now he won. Yeah. He won. <laughs> Why did he win? Because it was about the meat. And he knows how to cook a steak. Hmm. So even the oopsie did not really hurt him because he's walking around with the easiest ever earned immunity pin. Definitely. Um, yeah. So now we're going to, I guess we'll talk a little bit more in depth about something else. Our in-depth subject are the judges shift. Now, you know what I mean about the judges shifts. No. But do Good, explain. That's <laughs> all right. So the shift is that the three judges at the beginning they're all really nice and kind, especially on a week when they don't have to send anybody home. Nobody came up with a dish uh, that they said was terrible or bad or really got hard criticism. They always found something nice to say about pretty much everything. And they're so, and that's true at the beginning of the season. They're so nice and kind. But by the end, when they get to the last 10, 12, 9, 8, the tone of the judges changes, and they go from... They become brutal. And I think the one who does this the most, the sharpest critic of any of them is Gary. Because he can get, I don't. I want to almost say he can get pretty nasty with people. Like essentially walking up to the bench and calling them stupid in not so many words. And I just, it's something I appreciate is that change in tone from the beginning of this, this season when everybody's jolly and happy and everybody's friends and smiles all around the place to 
as the Vice Titans. Have well, you noticed that in previous yeah, seasons? Yeah, sure. They get to know the contestants and... And the most obvious way how it shows is when a contestant has a strong side, like, I don't know, curry dishes, for example, and they keep making those one week after another. So the first week they really enjoy it. Then the second week, well, it's still a good dish. So let's uh, get you off the hook. Mm -hmm. But then it becomes obvious that they go keep going back to that. And the judges are less impressed, less mm -hmm. enjoy the dish. Yeah. And they see that the contestant is essentially not evolving. And that's what the show is about. Yeah. I think that the show, unlike um, some other game shows, is that there's um, an impl implication that you have to be getting better week after week. Uh, because if that wasn't the understanding that on the very first week they tell you, oh, this is an okay dish for a Tuesday night with your family, but this is not good. Because you know that same dish that they're smiling about saying, oh, it's so delicious and rustic. Mm -hmm. such, such a, so, from the heart, home cooked. You know that by the second half of the season, that's getting people sent home. Same dish that gets praise is getting sent home or getting you put into an elimination yeah, or pressure is. test. Yeah, it is. But the standards also arise because the master yep. classes, what they've seen, they have to start um, plating the dish, which now no one talks about. You put a good food, they're satisfied with that. You eat first, you'd first taste it with your eyes, as they say. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, it's just something to appreciate. We'll be doing some more um, in depth stuff. I don't know if you want to talk about the. Uh, one of the interesting challenges this week, which is where they sort of set you up for some, they, they give you an impractical challenge, where what they were asking for was, you desert island dish that you have to eat the rest of your life. Yeah. Now, is that, was that really what they wanted, or do they want you to just cook us a nice signature dish? Because it seems like... Signature they, dish, definitely. It was like, a, it, it was a free cook. It was a cook whatever yeah. you want. It wasn't a... Um, it wasn't limited to the ingredients. It wasn't limited how many there could be components to a dish. Yeah, it just, uh, they weren't, um, and there was no practice. Like, I mean, seriously, you'd have to do maybe a little bit of homework if it was truly a desert island dish that you had to live on for the rest of your life and wouldn't kill you. And but even they would then expect, get a protein, get a veg, uh, percentage of the carbs that should be on the dish. Or limit them to the sweet and savory, or somehow limit them, or then question, is this really what you're going to eat for the rest of your life? I mean, can you eat a dessert the rest of your life? Yeah, that, that's a big question. I mean, some uh, people would say, yeah, but it's they really, didn't push the contestants. It's really too bad, because, I mean, maybe later in the season, that would actually, to be, make that a legit competition, a legit um a challenge to truly cook something that you would have to live off of but they like i said look some dishes seem very tasty and you could definitely eat them for a long time but then well i don't even know i don't know the criteria but i know some of them that i saw were definitely not any of it the desserts were definitely not no even no. though it had some bacon in it i guess that's protein and the, the bacon <laughs> ice cream or was it uh it was a uh it didn't uh, uh Cooked cream, uh, what is that? Panacotta? Yeah, that didn't set right, um, but looked looked pretty delicious. So, uh, again, I guess they tried to dress it up to make it interesting by saying, oh, your desert, what it really is, it's a free cook. It's right? a free cook, it's yeah, free definitely. Cook. 
And it's a, I guess it's a good. And way it to was obvious, but it was so obvious. And I guess they didn't. They just didn't. They wanted to. And it was a cook without consequence because it did, wasn't going to ordinarily well, send somebody into an elimination, but it didn't. It just sent oh, that's into, true. Sent that's true. Immunity challenge. So, I mean, if I was going to do it, I would have thought of. Um, they just wrapped up the free cook in a nice ti- with a nice title. Yeah, uh, I think the Joe's dish actually, the chicken marsala. That's probably. I like the dumplings. I remember the best of dumplings. That's well, you do kind of almost eat dumplings <laughs> anyway, right? So. Uh, we will, um, this is our first episode, obviously it's a little rough, but we're getting the hang of things. Um, in future episodes, I think we'd like, well, we may do some interview segments or even uh, previous contestants. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. No, 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 we'll, we'll get that, we'll get that. We'll, we'll, at some point, we'll, we'll get that, it's not that hard. I mean, 250 people, at least one of them's got to want that, that free publicity our three listeners are going to give them. Um, we're also, we also have a ranking system. Do we want to talk about how our ranking system works, at least in the late system season? Yeah, but we're going to introduce it later on. So what we do is when the theme song is playing, you see everyone that's participating, we rank them from... We just shout out top, middle, bottom. Top, middle, bottom. So let's say they're 24, we would divide them equally and then... Well, it's, a little, it's hard to do it. We usually, it's usually when it gets down to like 15 or 16. And some of them we just say don't know. Well, that's what's going to happen now, that we just don't know them. Yeah, it gets pretty tight, though, when we get to <laughs> disagreements. And sometimes we write the charts down and predict. But I think we've been pretty good at, like, when we're 12 out. And, out and then we 30. got synced at one point, and we felt the same. But then again, we kind of shifted. Yeah, I mean. I but, remember the last season, I gave Sashi more credit than you did. And look what happened. Yeah. I wonder if it was hard for him to watch the auditions. I mean, because he was sitting there. He didn't actually look happy to be there. It almost looked like he was suffering from post-traumatic disorder <laughs> because he went through that. And I mean, it's sure it's fun. You enjoy yourself. But the amount of pressure you... Some of these people must put themselves under. Uh, yeah. I mean, he. I don't know. He just had this look of face uh, face on, you know, like he was sent back to to do a tour of a, the prison he used to work at, you know, because mm. he used to be a prison guard. And he got... Yeah. He got he graduated well, from it was a to... bittersweet experience it's nice to be back but true but it was it must have been grueling yeah because you know you're just having flashbacks to all those you know listening to matt preston shout out three minutes left and you know his dishes uh, a little shaky all right so um look we're going to create a facebook page um if it's not linked below it will be linked below our next episode um if you have questions or thoughts to share with us please email us at after Chef Australia at gmail.com. So signing off for No Matt. no and you will know what they say in other podcasts. They say, if you like us, please share us. It will really help us. Yeah, please share no, us. No, if you like us, please write a review. It really helps us. Yeah. And it really helps other listeners to find us. That's true. Well, Ayo. Ayo. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And uh, yeah. again, We'll see you next week when we're gonna see, when they're we'll, gonna see us. Uh, we'll next, probably shoot it on Saturday. Next Saturday. Next Saturday. So. And we'll be it will air next. Live from Sunday. Atlantic City. <laughs> we're not live, but our po- recorded live. Okay, this is a bit tricky because the time zones. So what's the Eastern Standard Time? We're here? I don't even know. We're in Eastern Standard Time, and we'll air sometime next week. <laughs> Yeah, That's the just best we can do. And it's gonna, you know, podcast, right? It's when you want them. 
So anyway, um, thanks a lot. And uh, Benutis Lunchbox and Matt signing off. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>